welcome to Supernatural Results. I'm your host, Pitana Mutana. We're continuing in, our, in the series, I started uh, several programs ago called Wisdom for His Coming. <clears throat> and as the title says, obviously, that we're looking to have wisdom that will prepare us and cause us to be ready <clears throat> for the Lord's coming. And it's very imminent, as I've continued to say it. And the, the scripture that I originally used as a text, I'm going to use it again. It's out of Matthew 24. <clears throat> that clearly shows that <clears throat> those who are wise are the ones who are going to be taken. Now, <clears throat> it's actually out of uh, Matthew verse to, uh, Matthew 25, and we will say, let's see, start from um, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. Please take Take notice of virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So you can see, it's a picture of us ready to go up to meet our bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. And he said, five of them were wise and five were foolish. <clears throat> and there's, of course, if we go down to um, uh, maybe verse... Six, and he says this. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, because it's a midnight. You need light to be able to see even where he is, because <clears throat> you're going to go meet him. And he says this, And the foolish <clears throat> and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Because if, if you read the entire scripture, uh, the it says that when the, uh, the bridegroom uh, delayed, they all slept and slumbered, and of course their lamps also went out. They must have kept them going, and they didn't have enough oil. Now, the, the ones who were foolish, they, were, they, they had not prepared enough oil, so their, their uh, lamps were, <clears throat> they ran out. Now, you look at verse 6, and the midnight there was, maybe actually let's continue to uh, verse 8. And the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answer is saying, no, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather and to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And look at this. <sighs> none of us, I pray God forbid, none of us be found in this place where you go to get the oil and that's when the Lord comes. And he says this, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. <clears throat> Look at that. <clears throat> Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day or the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. <clears throat> this, this, this thing of the Lord saying, I don't know you, it's the same thing also that was told to those who went out working miracles, prophesying, and <clears throat> does it mean that we shouldn't do those things? All those things we should do them because that's the same works that Jesus did. He prophesied, he healed the sick, and in the Bible it says that them that believe in me, the works that I do, they shall do also. So we have to work miracles, we have to raise the dead, cast out devils, heal the sick. He said that as my father has sent me, so I send you also. That was the charge of Jesus in Matthew 10. Uh, this is now my message to go back and look at it. But if you go to Matthew 10, maybe even let's read it quickly. <clears throat> 
Because this, the, the, uh, the idea of Dolores saying that I didn't know you, get away from you workers of iniquity, it has caused certain people to literally shy away from working miracles, from prophesying, from performing mighty deeds, from trusting God to use their hands to heal the sick and all that. But yet, <clears throat> what Jesus was saying is that I don't know you. You never had a relationship with me. I entrusted you with my power as a servant. And, and you abused it. Some of you sold it. <laughs> you know, some of the things sometimes you see. <clears throat> but it's never that his charge remained the same. In Matthew 10, here's what it says. And when he had called unto him, verse 1, Matthew 10, verse 1, when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. We need to see that again where all manner of sickness and all manner of disease is healed because the Lord has given us the, the, that power. Now he goes on to say the names of those that he called and sent out. <clears throat> and in and, and verse 8 he says this, Heal the sick? It's a command. It's not even, you know, maybe think about it. Just preach the gospel, but don't heal the sick. Maybe you can even start by six. He said that. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. And so coming back, as you can see, when Jesus told those people who said that, did we not prophesy in you and did you not work mighty deeds in you? He said, I never knew you. God's desire for all time has always been to have a relationship with us, for us to know him and for him to know us. Most of the time people think that, <laughs> how can God say that I don't know you? I mean, you mean God doesn't know everything? That's what should cause you to marvel at this God that we have. He knows everything about you, but he still want to hear your voice. He still want to hear you tell him about what your name is. And so in one of the programs, if you've watched me for some time, you know I mentioned something along these lines saying that you should go before God and sit down, you know, put a chair and say, God, I'm here in front of you. And my name is Pitana Mutana, and I was born in such and such a place. And I have several siblings, and this is the name of my father. It's the name of my mother. These are some of my friends. These are the things that I've been doing. I, I, you know, express your love for him. Say, thank you so much for saving me. And I just want to make sure that you know me. You know my name, that you, and I want to know you also. You know, that may seem like something, somebody's got something wrong in their minds. <laughs> but you see, you have to make sure that you don't assume that God knows you. You can come and make a, a, an official introduction to, 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 to God. Say, this is my name. This is who I am. This is, this is my, my desire in life. This is what I would like to do. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Carry out a conversation as if you were talking to somebody who didn't know you. Because why should God say that I never knew you? Of course, the bigger picture is that I never knew because you never spent time with me. You never became close to me, so you were like... Somebody afar off. Yeah, I can trust you with my power. Yeah, go ahead and heal the sick because the sick are crying out to me and you happen to be the one available. And so, sure, go ahead. And we know this for, for a fact that God gives gifts to even the rebellious. Psalm, I believe, 87, if it's not 87, somewhere around there, <clears throat> where he said that when he gave gifts unto men, he gave to the rebellious also that God might dwell among them. So God is able to dwell among people through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
when the seeker hid, the, the, the dead are raised and all that, we see that God is in our midst. But the actual vessel he's using, that vessel can choose not to have a relationship with God. This is why it says in the book of Romans that gifts and callings are without repentance. You don't have to repent anything for God to use you. God can choose to say, you are going to be my miracle worker. And so every time you, 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 you close to people who need a miracle, you see the power of God living. You, even yourself, you don't know what's going on. And yet you have not even, you don't even like God. You don't care for him. Yet the power that you're using is his. That's the, the easiest example to give is the devil. He received power. He sinned. He never lost the power. <laughs> he still can take that power, give it to even his agents, and they can use that power. And they're all fighting against God, yet using God's power. You can talk about a lot of things that are the inheritance of God's people. I've mentioned this, how it's the inheritance of God's people to, to have so much power that even you can go up without, the, without the, the law of gravity bringing you down. If you say something like that, that a Christian can do that, people will say that, no, that's witchcraft. Yet, <laughs> so you're saying that the devil is more power than God? Of course, if you want to really get the full teaching that I've done, go back and study my teachings on the Encyclopedia of Miracles. <clears throat> but suffice to say that what I'm trying to say here is this. The devil has done enough good job to convince people that he has more power than God. Yet, the devil was made by God. And God entrusted him with power and authority. And when he fell, he gave it to Lucifer before Lucifer became Satan. <laughs> but yet, he never lost the power. He never lost the glory. He never, he, well, maybe the glory he did lose it in some way, but he still he has the power to even transform himself into an angel of light. I have seen the devil as an angel of light. <laughs> if I describe to you the way he looked, if you saw him in the, it's not the Holy Spirit giving you uh, the ability to discern that it's the devil. You will think it's the Lord or some kind of bright angel. The Bible says that he disguises himself as an angel of light. Because of the calling that God has given to me, or maybe by his, just his grace and mercy, or for whatever, or just for me to be able to come and share that with you. I've shared some of this in my Encyclopedia of Miracles, which is, I put a break on that, maybe I'll come back and share more. But when it came to the kingdom of darkness, God has allowed me to see Satan in his present state, his fallen state. He has allowed me to see him as the, br the bright <clears throat> uh, angel that he was. It was Lucifer when he, he transforms himself into an angel of light. Light was all over the place. <clears throat> I have seen him sitting in the temple. The Bible talks about how the, the, the synagogue of Satan, I have seen him sitting. I can tell you the kind of, I'm not even going to go so much there. I can take you to a place and say this. As much as they may say that they're, they're God, they are the church of God, it's not. This is the synagogue of Satan. I can tell you that because I saw it. Him sitting in the temple. The Holy Spirit is very kind. You see, I'm, I was not even planning to share this. But here I am, I'm talking about it. <laughs> 
The Bible calls the devil the fowl of the air. I have seen him come as a fowl of the air. You're looking at a bird, but yet it's the devil disguised. Ah. I think somebody's being helped right now. He can, you can see him as the fallen air, uh, cherub, because the Bible calls him that he was the anointed cherub. You see, there's a the difference between the angels or cherubs and, and demons. Demons, they walk. Jesus talked about how he said that when, you, when an evil spirit and an unclean spirit, which is the, the, a demon, is cast out. The Bible says that he walks about in dry places looking for rest and he doesn't find it. And he returns and said, I'll go back to the house from where I came from. But when it comes to angels, they can fly. That's why you hear about angels with wings. When it comes to cherubs, they have wings from the... And so Satan was one of the cherubs. So some of you may have even maybe had a visitation and you wondered, what was that? If, if the devil comes, he will not be coming, taking a walk. He will fly right into Because why? Because that's his nature. That's how you can differentiate between that. If, <laughs> am I supposed to talk about these things? But you see, the Lord wants to help somebody. First time I saw Satan. <laughs> he flew into my room and it's almost, <laughs> the entire room was almost, I thought that my bed was going to be moved, moved and be thrown into another place or somewhere on the corner somewhere. <laughs> But you see, all this, the Lord sometimes he will allow you to experience this so that you can understand that the, the Bible is literal. Sometimes we really don't even need these experiences, but sometimes when we're reading the scriptures, we, we can't seem to understand it. So you may read about the cherubims, that they have wings, that they fly, they do this, or the seraphs. So they, and you, you see, because of a lot of teaching, religious teaching, really, that has made the Bible very... Uh, Theory, it only stops a theory. They don't realize that these are beings that are real, alive. And so sometimes God will have to give you experiences to really show you that these things are true. I was talking to different people, different categories of people maybe don't believe in God, don't believe in hell, don't believe in heaven. And I was trying to tell them, I said, that hear it from me. Because I've been in parts of heaven, I've been to the gates of hell. When Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against, this is not a metaphor. There is a natural gate. Hell is a place where people go. Suppose somebody may just rather just continue to stay in the Bible. I'm in the Bible. Please don't tell me anything else. Why would you read the Bible if you're not going to experience the Bible? Why? And so, <laughs> you see, you have, to, you have to be obedient. I'm here to be a, a mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit. As much as I can try to prepare this and that, I want him to share with people what he has for them. And so, <clears throat> some of the things I just shared, even myself, I can think, you know, what were you thinking sharing those things? You're not supposed to share those things. 
But you see, there's a scripture where Jesus told them, he said that even that which is revealed to you in the dark, preach on the housetop, preach on the mountains, preach in the light. It's just the messages have to be given in due season. That's the scripture that we are on. Who is that faithful and wise servant? Who will give the Lord's house meat in due season? There are certain things that I was not allowed to, to talk about 10 years ago. And I have kept them for 10 years. And then it came to a place, it's time to share it. So you see, we need to be sensitive about what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Something that I couldn't share 10 years ago, 5 years ago, I can share it now. Do you know that certain things I'm sharing even now, that when I first saw them and I was maybe very excited or I was still so immature, <clears throat> not that I have matured, but I definitely I'm, I'm different than the person I was five years ago. And I will go and just share things and people will look at me and say, what? See, they were not ready. I gave them meat not in due season. But when somebody is in due season, the Bible says that a word in due season, oh, how good it is. So there could be somebody out there that I'm talking to who has been crying and say, God, I want to understand these things. And here I come and I'm talking to you. And you are going to bless God <laughs> because of the information I shared with you. But coming back to this scripture that shows that the virgins, though they were all virgins, some were wise, others were foolish. The wise ones prepared. The wise ones were ready for any time that they would be called to come to the wedding. And wisdom, as I've, I've explained in, in, in programs past, wisdom has to do with, it gives you, it, there's so much about wisdom. It teaches you to prepare for situations that are coming ahead of time. It, it, it will make you ready. It will, <clears throat> One of the scriptures I like about wisdom, and I'm going to go through certain scriptures about wisdom, but the wisdom is foundational. There's a scripture in the Old Testament, the prophet said that by wisdom, God founded the earth. And so as long as you are in the earth, Wisdom is going to be foundation for your life. You are called to live a life of faith. The Bible talks about in Habakkuk and also by, you know, uh, mentioned in the book of Romans that the just shall live by faith. All of us who believe in Jesus, our life is a, is a life of faith. But yet the foundation of a life of faith is wisdom. Because if we are made from the dust of the earth, we are, and the foundation of the earth is wisdom, then wisdom is the key. And you will see it in many different scriptures. I won't go to read them because of time, but I'm going to mention them so that you can go and look for them as you study to see if the things that I'm saying are true. So now, if you take the, 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 uh, <clears throat> the example of Jesus, he said that the child grew strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. You see? Jesus, as he was little and he started to grow in the things of, of the spirit, wisdom was foundational. When he was filled with wisdom, it made him strong in spirit. And so the book of Proverbs said that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. A scripture that I really like concerning even how to raise children in the things of God and make them strong in spirit. Not just the scripture of Jesus and John the Baptist, how they grew strong in spirit and in stature, filled with wisdom. But the scripture of Timothy. Well, Paul told him, he said that you have known the Holy Scriptures from a child. Timothy had been taught by his mother about the Scriptures right from the time he was little. And he says that 
you have known the Holy Scriptures from a child. So you see, you can teach the children, you can teach your children scriptures. They, they don't have to go and be reading some other storybooks. No, you can give them a Bible and start to read. As a matter of fact, you can even teach your children to read by the Bible. You can start them. Uh, I can literally have a program on teaching children how to read the Bible <clears throat> using the Bible. Or just teaching children how to read using the Bible. There is no better book to teach how to read children than the Bible. Because the way it was put together, it was put together by God. Let's say, for example, this is almost a side note for somebody, but when you start from the beginning, so in the beginning, God made the heaven, created the heavens and the earth, <clears throat> and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, and the Spirit of the living God moved upon the, the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. When you study even just Genesis 1, it has so much repetition, there is no book you can find. Because when you teach children how to read, you want them to see, you keep repeating a certain word so that the more they hear it, the more they see it, the more they're able to be able to now, their, their brain start to connect and say, oh, so God is G-O-D. Before they even know that it's G-O-D, they start to, it, it's, it, it's that repetition. Isn't that how you know if you talk to a, if you're a if you're a teacher of of uh, primary school and you teach how to read you agree with me you have to repeat they will say something like Susie is drinking water water <clears throat> water was in a drink you know but they keep the whatever word they want to teach you they keep repeating it so that your brain connects that this is what water looks like. Take the Bible and see how repetitive it is. Take just Genesis 1. By the time you can teach your child how to read Genesis 1, they already know what God looks like. They already know created because he keeps saying. They already know saved. They already know the light. They're... I hope you're getting what I'm saying. <clears throat> All this is what? It's wisdom. Wisdom is foundational for life. Even though, because it's wisdom, as the scripture in the book of Timothy said, that you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. There is an ability in the Word of God to make a child wise. Which parent is not interested in children who are very wise? And the Bible will do that for your children. Just give them the Bible. Let them read it. Let them, every morning, let them wake up. And the first thing they do before they ask him for anything, give them the Bible because it will impart wisdom to them. And the wisdom is the ability also to choose between right and wrong. So he says that <clears throat> you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise unto salvation, which is by faith in Christ Jesus. So what that means is that when a child is given the Scriptures right from the beginning, even when they're still in their mother's womb, start to read the Scriptures to them. They hear it. When they're born, you read them the scriptures. When they start to learn how to read, give them the Bible. <clears throat> can you tell me that a child can read the Bible every day of their life for 10, 15 minutes, every single day? Let, let's say even say maybe Saturday and Sunday they take a break. That will give you around 300 days in a year of children reading the Bible. Do you think our children are just going to go astray? Imagine how much scripture they have learned. He said that it will give them wisdom. Wisdom to choose Jesus over Satan. He said that they make you wise unto salvation. So before you can live a life of faith, you need wisdom to even realize that the life of faith in Jesus is the way to go. Who is then 
thy faithful and wise servant. The Lord is looking for a faithful and a wise servant. Let me read you something here. Just several scriptures about a faithful man. And you will see that faithful people are hard to come by. <clears throat> Let me just read you a few scriptures. The first scripture about faithfulness <clears throat> is about Moses. He said, my servant Moses is not so. Who is faithful in all my house? When the Lord is looking for even ministers or anyone to serve, which all of us want to serve him. It's not just people who have a ministry. All of us in our daily life, we want to serve God. Faithfulness. <clears throat> Let me read another one. 1 Samuel 2.35, and he says, I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in my heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. This, I believe, was talking about Samuel. <clears throat> Faithfulness, that ability to stick, that, that loyalty. <clears throat> Let me read you a few more scriptures. <clears throat> I am one of them that are peaceable and faithful in Israel. This is 2 Samuel 20, 19. <clears throat> 2 Kings 12, 15. Moreover, they reckon not with the man into whose hand they delivered the money to be bestowed on workmen, for they dealt faithfully. Oh, any employer who happens to find a person who is faithful, they can go on vacation. They don't, never have to call because they know that person will treat <clears throat> The business as if they were their own. That's what a faithful person does. We can go on and on and on and on about a faithful person. Let me, let me find a few more scriptures. <clears throat> Look at this. About Daniel, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion, no fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. <laughs> oh, I have to read this back again. This is a man under the Old Testament, because people think that you cannot be without fault, without error, without occasion to be. <clears throat> of course, I'm not saying that I am the person, but I, I have an encouragement from the Old Testament that I can become. And it says, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 4, as we finish our time, has come. So you can go study the word faithful. Look it up. Find a, go Do a search on all the scriptures on fa being faithful. Or in all the scriptures about being wise. And in the next program, I'll talk about wisdom and different scriptures about faithfulness. But look at this again. And Daniel, then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion, nor fault. A man was faultless. For as much as he was faithful. So it's his faithfulness, it's his characteristics as faithful that made him to become in a way that people could not find a fault in him. For he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. You've been wondering if you can become faultless? There is an, a, a scripture for you, Daniel 6 and verse 4. We will stop here, and I want to quickly talk to you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, please will you pray with me?
Say, Lord Jesus, I come to say that you are Lord over my life from this moment forward. Forgive my sin, I pray. I turn away from my wicked ways. I believe that God raised you from the dead and you are alive. Will you save me, I pray. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and grant me to speak your language. Amen.